prayer. One word. That's the word. That's the title of the series. Prayer. Just one word. But a word that sparks a lot of thoughts. You hear that word and it just creates a a lot of responses in your head and in your heart, doesn't it? Thoughts maybe um, about what should that look like? How do I pray? How could I pray? That's what the series is about. Getting into God's Word, just learning a little bit more about how He teaches us to pray. We have thoughts about what we pray for, content, specifics, maybe things that we could or should be praying for. When we think about prayer, we we think about the time that we spend with God and the time that we maybe could or should. The need to pray more. You know, as I... As I started to get into the um, working through this message and into God's Word this morning, it occurred to me, I had this great brainstorm and insight that I've never had anybody, I've had people come to me and ask a lot about prayer, Um, but one of the things that they've never said to me or one of the things that I've never said or thought myself is this, boy, I ought to pray less. Never. I think that's insightful. Something about prayer that's important and critical. Why? Because I think we all know that there is this this need to know God more. And that's what happens in prayer. The more that we pray, the more that we get to know who God is. And we start to understand how critical it is to a healthy, thriving, vibrant relationship with God. We know that's true because we know it's true in every single relationship that we have. If you want a healthy, thriving relationship, you have to have good communication, right? It's one of the things that I shared all the time in premarital counseling. You want to build a great relationship, a great marriage, that means you need to communicate well. You need to work at it. We know all kinds of great things happen in a relationship when there's good communication. Things are are really healthy. Again, indeed, you just start to know somebody more because you're spending time with them. You're talking. You're working through things. You're sharing thoughts. Because of that, you start to trust somebody more. If it's, again, healthy, thriving, good relationship. You start to know that you can trust them and you want to be trustworthy. You start thinking about expectations. You know what you can expect out of that person that's good and wonderful and you know that they're going to have expectations of you. You you want to in that relationship because you're starting to trust them more. You know them more. You have those conversations. You want to do things that are helpful, not hurtful. All kinds of good and great things come out of good communication in a healthy and a thriving relationship. 
That's why God encourages us to pray. But that's the kind of relationship that He desires with us. It's a good, healthy, vibrant one. One where we know that we can trust Him and we know who He is and we know that He's a God who loves us beyond the scope of our imagination. It's incredible to think about. And so he teaches us how to pray too. And we looked at a couple of different things in this series already. First week, about knowing when we pray the power that's there. We looked at James 5 and the last part of verse 16. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Why? Because you're praying to a powerful God. The God of the impossible, as I like to call him. A God who can do anything. Do you believe that? If praying with power. And when you know that, just like when you know of somebody else and you ask them something, you know their capabilities, you really ask within the scope of those, right? God has no end to his power. And so he encourages us to pray with power. And last week we looked at what's also related to that then, and all rooted in faith, by the way. You pray with power when you're praying with power and you know that you're praying to an almighty, powerful God. You tend to believe what you pray, right? Expectant prayer. And there is a big difference. And I don't know if you ever have caught yourself in a moment in a thought when you're praying about something that's really big in your heart and in your life and what's going on in your head and what's going on in your heart as you pray. I hope that you pray with expectation. That's what we spent time looking at last week, the words of John 14. Some of which are going to be repeated this morning in our text out of Luke 11. Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. I want you to pray with expectation. I want you to pray believing that what you're praying is going to be so. And that's that little word, amen. I mentioned that last week. It will surely be. God wants all of our prayers to be an amen. And sometimes we can catch ourselves and as we're praying and we're not really praying that way, right? God wants us to pray with expectation, with a faith and belief that what we're laying before him surely will be. That alone, so many other things, just changes how we pray for the good in a way that helps us to know God more. Then today, a truth that comes out of Jesus specifically teaching His disciples to pray. Praying with perseverance. Perseverance. Persistently. Continually. So think of that word or those words. Just think of the word perseverance and think of your prayer life. How do those stack up? Would that be a, a hallmark, a part of how you pray? That'd be great. 
I encourage you um, to open up your hearts this morning as we read Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. So that God will teach us all a little bit more about how to pray. Hear the living Word of God. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to them at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside says, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who knocks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers or mothers? If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the Word of God when it be written on our hearts and lived in our lives. So Jesus is praying. Have you ever watched somebody else pray? He, he's praying and the disciples are watching them looking at him praying. And I don't know what it was that prompts the question in the moment. Maybe just they saw how focused Jesus was. Maybe it was they were within earshot and they heard what he was praying. I'm not really sure what prompted the question, but they're there. And when he's done, one of them goes over and says, Jesus... Teach us to pray. And then adds, you know, well, you know, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, so you ought to teach us, right? When, when I see situations like this, I think of how cool it would be to be one of the disciples. Have you ever thought that? I mean, so you, you're there um, and, and you're with Jesus and you just like, you got a question, you go, hey, got a question for you and he's right there face to face and you can ask him and talk to him wouldn't that be cool man alive <laughs> i was gonna yeah i think it would be really awesome to be able to ask jesus a question face to face right there bam 
I think it would be really cool. And then I realized, though, about how blessed I really am because it doesn't make me feel badly about what is. I think of the words of John twenty thirty one. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. We have the word to teach us. Jesus speaks, God speaks all throughout the word. So we have that. We also have the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus promised in John 14, shortly after the truth that we read two weeks ago, last week, about the promises and teaches us about prayer, but then teaches us about the Holy Spirit. I'll send you another who will teach you all things. So we, we really have the capability to learn and grow and to know a lot. I still think it would be cool to be a disciple, though, or to have been a disciple. I am a disciple. I'll get the terminology right. So they ask him to teach him about prayer, and he does. Starts out in verses 1 to 4 sharing what maybe you recognize as the the basic framework, the foundational parts of what we call the Lord Prayer. And so Jesus wants to, to help them understand how to pray in terms of purpose, some of the basic things that would make for, for powerful prayer, some elementary things, three things in particular. And sometimes we get all worked up when we hear the Lord's Prayer done a little bit differently. Don't please don't go there don't worry about it there's even if you go to to matthew's version it's a little bit different but they contain whatever version you've said whether in a different church or what have you um uh, if you're praying the lord's prayer you're, you're praying the basic things and there's three things in here that are really important as you think about praying and the first is this addressed there in verse two father hallowed be your name your kingdom come. What's that about? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. It's really important to know who it is that we're praying to. And Jesus just wants to remind the disciples, if you really want to know how to pray, don't forget who you're praying to, your heavenly Father. See, when you start to have a conversation with somebody based on who they are to you, that really dictates the flow. What you talk about, how you talk to them. You talk to your son or daughter in a different way than you would your husband or wife or a friend or a co-worker or a boss. You get it? So he says, remember, Father, hallowed be your name. Give him the respect, the honor, the reverence that he deserves. Because he's God. I think that's important because sometimes we can get a little flippant with that, right? Let's just be honest. And there's this this incredible tension. And you know how Jesus addressed God all of the time, my heavenly Father. And he gets both those elements there. That reverence, that, that glory that he desires to give to him, and yet that intimate part of who God was, Father. He knew God. He knew God as an all-powerful God, but also as a God who loved him. Father. 
And, and so Jesus shares that so that, that there'll be understanding. And just saying those words will always remind us we're just not praying to anybody, we're praying to God, the Almighty One, the One who loves me more than anything. And that sets the tone for what follows, I hope, that flows out of our heart. And some purpose included in there as well. Your kingdom come. And so giving God glory and honor. The, the reverence that He deserves as we pray, but knowing He's an intimate and a personal God who loves us more than anything, those two exist together in the great Lord our God. Great to, to think about, and, and that's one of the elements Next, he he says this, Give us each day our daily bread. Again, it's in part in terms of knowing who God is, but knowing that He's a God who who desires to meet our needs and who can. A God who desires to protect us, who desires to provide for us, to have us turn to Him when there are things that happen in our heart and in our life that cause us to want whatever that looks like or that we've got questions or struggles with. Rather than self-reliance or reliance on others, God, give us each day our daily bread. These are all woven together, connected to knowing who it is that God is. Who it is that we seek our daily bread from, or if we think we get it ourselves. Big mistake. God makes a number of promises in His Word to us. And there's part of that, see that expectancy piece. We believe that God will provide. We believe that God will fulfill His promises. We believe that He is who He says He is. Give us each day our daily bread, Heavenly Father. Who He wants us to turn to Him, to come to Him with the needs and the things that we have going on in our heart and in our life because He wants to be our God in a profound and powerful way, in a way that displays His love and His grace beyond the scope of our imagination. And then the third part, starting in verse 4, Forgive us our sins. We also forgive everyone who sins against us. I hope that's true. And lead us not to temptation. Two words, confession, repentance. What is that all about? It's about a right relationship with God. He wants us to pray knowing who He is. He wants us to pray turning to Him, asking for our needs, trusting Him for all things. And He wants us to pray so that we'll have a right relationship with Him. And I've had a lot of people ask me about that. And said, well, okay, if I understand things right, when Jesus died, forgave us our sins, that's always, right? Yep. So all of the sins in the past, all the things in the present, all the things in the future, God's going to forgive us for those, right? Yep. Why do I need to ask Him for forgiveness then when I pray? And one of the ways I like to look at it is this, and it's all about being in a right relationship. I'm going to try not to look at my wife over here for a minute. I know... I can tell you this. I know that when I mess up, she'll forgive me. It's an incredible feeling to have in your heart. 
And believe me, um, I've tested that a few times. But I know she'll forgive me. So I could go about things this way. When I would do something um, not so bright, and I would do something that would hurt her, that would, would harm our relationship, I could just say, ah, you know what? She's going to forgive me anyways. It's cool. I could handle it that way because I know that that's true. Or I could make things right. I could go to her and I could tell her, I'm sorry. I've got that part down. I've had to do it so many times. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I apologize. I want things to be right. You know the difference that that makes in a relationship, right? Day in and day out, to have a healthy, vibrant relationship, not having things in between you, fessing up and then deciding then and there it's not going to happen again you're going to try you're going to work hard at it to change behavior to do things differently because you love that person and you don't want to hurt them you have that in your heart you do but that's not what you really desire because of the love that you have for them and the love that you have for God, you desire not to damage that relationship, but to bring honor and glory to Him because of the love that He has for you. And so you're going to Him and you're saying, I'm sorry. I want things to be right. And I want your help. In the part that's not here that's in the Gospel of Matthew says, deliver us from the evil one. I remember when I started to pray that. It's so powerful. And seeking God's help to help you be different, to change your behavior, to, to not fall prey to sin. And, and I don't know what, what you, again, what you think or you believe about Satan. I want you to know this. He is busy. He is hard at work because he wants to destroy your lives. Plain and simple. He wants to tear your relationships apart with your friends, with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your grandpas, with your parents. He wants to just destroy them. Because he's against all things God. And he's busy. So God says, pray. Pray for my power. Pray for my presence in your heart and in your life. Get to know me. And let me build this hedge of protection around you. That's, that's what I pray for. I, I pray for God's protection for me, for my kids, for my family. I pray for God's protection for the spiritual leadership here at Rehoboth. By name, and I pray for you. God will just help us to get right with Him more and more and more. And we'll lean into His grace and we'll seek His power. 
And he'll keep us away from the evil one. So that we'll experience life as it was meant to be lived. A tremendous adventure. So those are the components. Those are the things that Jesus teaches the disciples to pray for. Three basic elementary things that can lead to powerful prayer. But then it goes on, right? Verse 5, Then He said to them, so here's, here's the elements. Here's just some of the foundational things I want to teach you about prayer. And now here's how I want you to pray them. And so you add to this praying with power, praying with expectancy, and now persevering. And he teaches a little story, shares a little story about it. I suppose when he has a friend and he goes to him at midnight. Stop there a minute. At midnight. What a thoughtful friend. That's what I thought about. Holy cow. If, if somebody's going to come to me and has a need, I'm hoping they come at like 6 or 7 or something, not midnight. And why could, I thought about why does the guy, why does Jesus say that? Why does he talking about a guy coming at midnight? And I thought about the friend. I thought, well, maybe the guy just, you know, he had a friend come, somebody who was unexpected. They got into it. They were just having a great time. He totally forgot about it. And then all of a sudden he goes, ooh, food, I don't have any. So he, he just is forgetful. Maybe he's just short-sighted, period. Maybe he's just dependent I don't know. I, 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 I think, though, that the reason that's there is because that's us sometimes, right? Midnight. Perseverance. So we're not handling the problems as we should when we should. And we're, we're short-sighted. We let things go. And then the next thing you know, there's this huge, big issue and problem. Why? Because we haven't been praying about or seeking God's helping or leading for it. So we're knocking on the door at midnight. God, help me. Save me. I think there might be some truth in that. The little teaching thing there. Midnight. And as it continues to teach us in this story about how to pray, there's some, some great things that, that happen in the story, though. Guy comes, he bangs on the door. However not so thoughtful he is at midnight, person inside says, Hey, I'm in bed. The door's locked. My kids are sleeping. What's the deal? I'm not going to get up and give you anything. Go away. Don't bug me. Now you could say, well, well, that's kind of the person who's taking on the role of God, right? Whoa. But it's to teach us about who he really is. We get to the end of the passage. And he shares a word in here. At the, at the middle of verse 8, he says, he, 
He, he won't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. See, there's a relationship there. And I said, but because of the person's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And we can re- relate to that in, in one sense and say, okay, I, I know that that's true because there's times, whether you've worked this, I think sometimes when our kids are little, they try to work this to an art. You know, I'm just going to keep asking, 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 I'm going to wear them down. And they're going to finally break. There's an element of that there. But the, the word persistence and boldness is represented in that one word. There's a couple of connotations, the Greek words, anaidea. And it has both of them there mixed together. I want you to be bold, but I want you to be persistent. That's how I want you to pray. And and tie that and connect that to what we already looked at in terms of God's power and expectancy and now perseverance. All having to do with faith. All woven together. We're persistent because we know God is powerful. We're persistent because we know that God loves us. We're persistent because we believe that what he says will happen and that he will respond. And that can be really hard, can it? That's the challenge for us. Don't give up. Keep praying. Persevere. And know that God will respond with his goodness. I think that's something hard in the world in which we live in to to do all of the time consistently in terms of prayer being persistent and persistently praying with boldness and and power and with expectancy because of the world in which we live in we live in an instant gratification kind of world we hit a button our TV comes on We go to our computer, and with a push of a button or a click of a mouse, things happen right away. And if not, we're frustrated. How many times do you complain about the Internet? Maybe in this last week. 5Gs isn't getting it done, right? We need 10. We need 15. Faster, faster, more, more instant. We, we go down to the three-way heading into McBain and we're frustrated because there's a traffic jam. Three cars all at once. We want things now. And we want them our way. There's even commercials like that, right? And it causes us not to be too persistent. I want you to think about that, what Jesus is saying here about how we should pray. You know, woven into that is, you know, when we, we think about being persistent, it is again that component of faith. If I were to ask you, who do you think demonstrates more faith, the person who prays once or the person who prays a thousand times, what would your answer be? 
You can start to, you know, rationalize it and try to figure out the once thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe because they got the prayer answered, right? <laughs> they prayed with deep faith. Look at how they didn't have to pray a thousand times. I'm talking about praying once and giving up. Praying once and saying, you know what? Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Still dealing with it. Persistence. Boldness. Recognizing again. And so you think about kingdom. Here it all comes together. Purpose. You know, a lot of times when we pray, we pray very specifically. That's not bad. But but we have a very tight understanding sometimes of what needs to happen and when it needs to happen. And if it doesn't, something's wrong. And some of the best answers to prayer that I personally had are ones that I didn't get the way that I wanted to because they turned out way better. In my short-sightedness and limited, finite mind, I thought I knew exactly what God should do. Surprise. He did something much more incredible, much more wonderful. Got praying about it. Persistence, boldness. And praying with an understanding of knowing who it is that God is. You know, the first week when we were looking at truth about power, verses 17 and 18 of James 5, I shared that as a little illustration at the end. Elijah prayed for three and a half years because God told him to. I would ask you, maybe it's true about some things. How often have you prayed for something for three and a half years and not quit? I'm sure there are some things. And then God told him to pray. He was praying for it not to rain. And then if you read, it's a tremendous story, First Kings 17 and 18. Where he tells Elijah finally to pray for rain. Do you remember the story? He gathers all of the prophets of Baal, all the false prophets. They get up on Mount Carmel and they have this contest. I love the sarcasm of Elijah in that passage as he's yelling across to the other peak. You know, pray louder, pray more. And now think about this. There's a great thing about that story. He, he asked them then to bring water. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. Think about that a minute. So to take something really precious and to pour it out, not once, not twice, but three times. So praying and giving up something that is precious sometimes. Anyway, and then, of course, fire comes out from heaven, and it's just incredible. And then it rains. Persistence, boldness, trusting God to deliver. Man, he delivered that day in a big way, just like he will with each and every one of us. He's calling us to go to war and to pray without ceasing. That's what the last half of this passage is about. Again, verses 9 and 10. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Do you believe that? You pray that consistently, powerfully, boldly in your life. 
than verses 11 to 13, taking a look inside of our hearts. And when he says, um, though you are evil, he's just saying, you have sin in your heart. And if you can be a good person and you can give to your children the things that they desire and some of the things that they want and the things that they need, how about me? Do you know me? Do you know my love? Do you know my grace? Do you know that I always want what's best for you forever? Way beyond the time you take your last breath. I love what he says in that line. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Think about that for a minute. The one that he says in John 14 will teach us all things, who will give us wisdom who will lead and guide us. Have you prayed to receive the gift of Holy Spirit ever before in terms of fullness and to always be filled? I encourage you to start doing that. To empower you, to lead you. You know, we pray, we think about wisdom and discernment all of the time. How do you get it? You get it through leading the Holy Spirit. Having a bad day? Pray for the joy of the Spirit. For God to encourage you, to empower you, to see things that you haven't seen and to have feelings that you haven't felt. Incredible things. He's asking us to pray for what is best because we believe and know that He'll give us His best Himself, the gift of the Spirit. It's profound. Pray, go to war, don't stop. Again, Satan's seeking to destroy your life every day. Pray to the one who can defeat him. The great Lord your God. Let his power get unleashed in your heart and in your life. A lot of great things to learn about prayer. And a lot of great things that we learn as we pray. Will you pray with me? Lord God. Just when we think we um, know you well, we learn some more things. Lord, because your wisdom, your love, your grace goes beyond the bounds of our understanding, we can never allow, uh, stop learning more things about you. And so God, help us to, to commit to prayer Lord, I don't know what we each think of when we think of a prayer warrior. I think of somebody who knows what prayer is all about. Goes to you daily. Goes to war. Gets on their knees. Who believes that you are who you say you are. Plays, prays with power. Lord, each in our own right, we can be that prayer warrior. That's what you encourage us to. That's what you teach us to be. Lord, that will bring you honor and glory. Your kingdom will come. Hallowed be your name. That will know, God, you're the one who meets our needs, desires to each and every day in all kinds of different ways beyond the scope of our imagination, because you love us more than we know. 
You want our relationship with you to be right. Thriving, healthy, good, growing. Might it be. Lord, continue to teach us how to pray. Out of your mercy, out of your goodness. We pray these things again humbly and with gratitude for you being the great Lord our God.